0: There used to be a website called the Worry Company, and it described itself as the world's leading provider of worry services. Title page read, forget your worries, your worrying days are over. Let us worry for you and your friends. Our company is dedicated to lifting the burden of anxiety from your shoulders, And by becoming a member of the worry company, you officially transfer all your worries to a highly trained professional. Your worries will be declared null and void and will be entered into our computerized book of worries for a period of one year, during which we will worry for you. And that has a little PS, we only use certified worriers. Some of you are thinking right now, I should qualify for that, get me a job there. Also on the website, there's a list of gift items you could purchase, a certificate of membership in the Worry Company. It's $12.95. Some of you need to be writing this stuff down. A mug is $7.50, a tote bag, $9.95. In fact, if you bought all the items that were on the Worry Company's website, you'd have financial worries. Well, you might be tempted not to pay the bill and let them worry about it since they're, pro- <laughs> they're professionals, you know. Don't you wish it was that easy? I mean, the next time you worry about your health, the next time your children or your grown children are concerning you, you just email the worry company and you're carefree. Next time you're anxious about financial pressures, job stress. I'll just hand it over to the worry company and relax. And while you're waiting for the lab results of that biopsy, you just release it to a certified worrier and then head for the mall for some much-needed shopping. Now, we smile at that. But here's the absolute truth, the gospel truth. Jesus Christ really does want to be Lord of our anxieties. Lord of our worries. Now you know who you are if you are a chronic worrier today. But I tell you what, I'm not sure that any of us can live in this world we're living in right now without being tempted to worry at least a few times. Things are are not going well. So I want to take you through some scriptures here in Luke chapter 12. And according to 1 Peter 5, 7, we're going to start with here, Jesus Christ invites you to cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He's going to carry the load for us. Three times in our text in Luke chapter 12, Jesus will say, do not worry. Now, I think that most of us would admit to worrying. Some maybe just occasionally. For others, for others of you here, it might be a pretty common activity for you. And you might be sitting there wishing you hadn't come to church today. Others of you may have been so burdened with this problem that you're grateful that God has chosen through the Scriptures and through, a, through this pastor to talk to you about worrying from the biblical perspective. Worry can vary from degrees to mild to chronic. For some, worry is just a little nervousness from time to time about life's events. But for others, it's more serious. Panic attacks, you just withdraw from people, much of the world as you can. You're losing sleep. Some develop ulcers, headaches, high blood pressure, all which can be traced back to anxiety. Did you know that the word worry comes from an old Anglo Saxon word which means to choke? or to strangle. And that's what it does. That's exactly what it is. It's an appropriate description of what worry does to us. So this morning, if you would classify yourself as a chronic worry, then please understand, it's not wrong to go to a counselor, to a doctor. I mean, it's not anti-Christian to take prescribed medication for this, but in fact, it could be God's way of beginning to help you and move you in the right direction. But most important, we need to know this. Our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be completely free from anxiety and worry. And the lives of His followers, well, they're to be characterized by faith, not fear. So I want you to see three steps that are suggested in our text today, Luke 12, that can help each of us make Jesus Christ the Lord of our anxieties and to live lives free of war. Here's step number one. Number one, you got to understand that worry is a sin, and it can be overcome. Understand that worry is a sin, and it can be overcome. You know, when God's Word tells us, thou shalt not steal, or when God's Word tells us, do not commit adultery, we know that to violate such commands is a sin. And when Jesus tells us, and He's going to say it three times in our text, do not worry, then to violate that command is is a transgression. You might think it's maybe more of a respectable sin, but worry is still a sin. And I think it's important that we distinguish between worry and then genuine concern, because we like to play that game just a little bit. You say, well, I'm not worried. I'm just concerned. You know, my parents said that to me all my life. You know, we're just concerned, you know. And they probably had uh, good reason. But here's the difference. Concern focuses on probable difficulties, and it produces action. You're going to do something about it. But anxiety focuses on improbable difficulties, and it produces inaction. It just almost paralyzes us Sometimes. And when we're young and we're more carefree, we don't give a lot of thought to the ups and downs of life. But then one day, we find ourselves the parent of a toddler. And we're suddenly moved to buy things like safety gates and uh, baby monitors. I have it on good authority that when you get to a certain age as well, they'll still be wanting baby gates and, and monitors to... Keep up with the elderly members of the household, but, but uh, I'm sure that Jerry Cravens will work all that out. So, now I want you to see what Jesus is saying here. He's saying here, I don't want you to just live haphazard lives. Don't 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 just you know you, you should buy life insurance. I mean you you you'll need don't you need to install smoke alarms and those kinds of things. Fasten your seat belt. You ought to do that. He's not saying you can do all, not do those things and he's going to take care of you. He he teaches us clearly in Luke 14, 28. Suppose, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will you not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if they have enough money to complete it? See, often the very best courses when it comes to dealing with worry is to take action. If you're worried about a test, those of us that are in school or you were in school, well, then you study. If you're worried about finances, well, you, you need to work out a budget. That's something you can do. You worry about your health, well, go see a doctor. If you're worried about your marriage, you see a counselor, you make sacrifices. See, none of these are matters of worry. They're legitimate concerns that should result in our activity. But anxiety is not wired this way. Anxiety focuses on uncontrollable, improbable things and circumstances it doesn't take any action at all. Does it do anything about it? Just it's, no, it's always asking, well, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? What if the stock market crashes? What if I get cancer? What if my kid's marriage falls apart? What if I lose my job? What if my grandchild gets in an accident? What if I get to church and all the square donuts are gone? <laughs> you know, serious stuff here. These are things that we can't control anyway, And we cannot change. And Jesus says, don't be anxious like that. It's a sin. And there's at least five reasons why. You might want to make a note of these. Number one reason, worry wastes your time and your energy. Worry wastes time and energy. In verse 25 of our text, Jesus says, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? I mean, worry is like racing your car, car's engine while you're sitting there in neutral. You know, you just waste gas and you're not going to make it anywhere. You know, one study revealed the average person's worries focus on the following areas. Uh, this is interesting. 40% of the time we worry about things that will never happen. 30% of our worry time is about the past that is, you can't change it. It's already done. of the time we worry about people's opinions, which you can't control them either. 10% of worry is about health, which by the way only gets worse the more you worry about it. 8% of worry, only 8% is about problems we actually face. 92% of the time worry is about things you and I can't control. Isn't that silly? But you know what? Satan loves to handicap the followers of Christ. Actually, everybody, but especially the followers of Jesus Christ. And his goal is to debilitate you, to handicap you, to paralyze you, to hinder you, to block you, over and over again when you find yourself just overwhelmed by circumstances. Satan's got you right where he wants you. I read of a family who traveled every year to the same place on a vacation, and they'd get about 80 miles out of town going to the vacation, and the wife would say, oh, I forgot to turn off the iron. And they'd, they'd, oh. So they turned around, went all the way back 80 miles, and they found that the iron wasn't even on at all. Now there's a punchline for this, I'm getting here. <laughs> Part of the problem is is I, I originally typed that into this. This is so you know the back, the back story, if you care. But sometimes I type those things in, and other times I, I, I type them on a little card, and the little card's upstairs in of my office. But you know what? I am not worried about it. Because I remember the punchline. Now, what happened finally after doing this several times on these trips... They were on the way south again, going on a vacation. And she jumped up in the car and said, oh, I know, I know I didn't unplug the iron. And the husband said, okay, just a minute. So he pulls over at a rest stop. He gets out. He goes in the back of the car. He comes out, and he brings her the iron. (laughs) And he hands it to her. Now, I don't know how much they talk the rest of the trip, but, but it does. It wastes time and energy. We waste we worry when we could have been sleeping. We worry when we could have been enjoying the day. We worry when we have, could have been investigating in relationships. It's a waste. Secondly, worry impairs our personality. Chronic worriers, you know, just maybe aren't a lot of fun to be around. What a waste. We're constantly fretting about something we're not fun to live with. If we're somber and critical and negative and withdrawn and ill-tempered, you know, as one writer put it, this is great. He said, worry is like a thin stream of fear that's trickling through your mind. And if you encourage it, it eventually will cut a channel into which all your other thoughts will drain. Worry can damage your personality. Number two, worry can impact your health. Worry impacts our health. There are all kinds of physical ailments that are stress-related, high blood pressure, insomnia, and so on. Number four, worry also harms our witness. Listen to Luke 12, verse 11 and 12. Jesus says, when you are brought before synagogue, he's talking to his disciples, and and, and he's letting them know some things that they they need to know, the wise thing. When you're brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. If you're worrying too much about how you're perceived as a Christian, you probably won't come across being very confident about witnessing for your faith. Just ask the Lord to help you and to trust that His Spirit will guide you. Or if you're anxious about the things happening to you and and you're saying to the watching world who knows you're a believer maybe, that you really may not have much faith. Maybe your God is not as powerful as you claim for Him to be or you would not be so worried. It affects our witness. But the primary reason worry is a sin. Now listen carefully to this because we don't think about it. When we worry, we insult our Heavenly Father. When we try to control everything about our lives, we're saying, well, God, we really don't trust you for that. We don't trust you for the future. And Jesus said that that's living like a pagan, in a sense, who doesn't know God at all. Even worse, worry calls God a liar. God says, I will supply all your needs. Worry says, "Ah, I don't think you will. God says, in the end, I'll see to it that all things will work together for them that are called according to my purposes and love me. But worry says, no, I I don't think you'll keep your promise. God says, I'll be with you even to the very end of the age. And worry says, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Which is why Oswald Chambers, he calls worry spiritual infidelity spiritual unfaithfulness is what he calls it. It's pretty serious stuff. We do not believe that God looks after the details of our lives. But most warriors don't see it that way. They justify their disobedience by saying things like, "Well, yeah, you know, I, I come from a long line of warriors. My great grandfather was a warrior, and my dad was a warrior, and my mom, and I'm a warrior. I I just can't help it. I'm just I'm just a warrior." And that's not spiritually helpful to your growth in Christ. If you don't believe that God looks after the details of your lives, then, wow, you must have a very scary life right now. Because there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And I'm glad that God is at, on His throne and at the helm. I really am. It may look like things are going in a certain direction, but I want to tell you, God is not caught unawares. He's not He's not closing his eyes to our predicaments here on this planet. Oh, how he loves us. You see, Jesus would never ask us to do something that's out of our control. And he says, I want you to quit worrying. Perhaps some here today, need to go home and get on your knees and say, God, I've been unfaithful in this area. I've been unfaithful. I've sinned. I ask your forgiveness. I ask for the power of your spirit. To help me overcome the issue of worry. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, you present your requests to God. And what happens? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now this doesn't mean you'll never be tempted to worry about some things, but it does mean that when that temptation to worry arises, you can have victory. You can have a sense of feeling that you're not handicapped. You're not a slave to it anymore. Worry need not define you. Now, the second counsel Jesus gives, that's the first step. Second counsel is you got to develop a realistic trust in the providence of God. Develop a realistic trust trust confidence in the providence of God. God is so good. Our Lord is so good. He provides our daily needs for all of his creation. Verse 24. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, but they have no, and they have no storeroom, they have no barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? You know God is saying that he's able to provide for the very least of his creation. How much more Will he take care of human beings, his crowning creation? Verse 27 says, consider how the lilies grow, and they don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even the Solomon in all his splendor were dressed like one of these. And then here's the key punchline. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? I wonder how often do you have to go to your closet and look at all the various articles of clothing you have and stand there for a while trying to figure out, what am I going to wear? You know, how often do you have to go there before you can accept the reality that God has provided for you? You can trust Him. You don't have to run around buck naked. Now that's deep. Deep theology here. But you get the point. You see what I'm saying? One of the joys of coming from Kentucky is trying to expose people that don't know anything about Kentucky to some of these deeper truths that, that the Bible has. So, so I'm working on that. <laughs> How many nights do you... Uh, it wasn't really that funny. Huh? How many nights do you have to go to sleep with a secure roof over your head, a comfortable place to rest, before you realize, oh, how important it is, how comforting it is to know that I'll always have a place to lay my head. God's taking care of me. How often do you have to visit your refrigerator before it occurs to you, how blessed I am, I have food to eat. And some of us recognize that blessing. How much stuff are you going to have to accumulate before you can say, I'm content, I don't need anything anymore. God's taking care of me. And of course, God's providence does not mean that He will exempt you and me from difficulties and challenges. You know, some people say, well, don't worry, just be happy. Put your troubles out of your mind. Nothing bad is going to happen. Man, if you think that, then you're a naive Christian because that's not true. Life happens. Trouble does come. John, uh, Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But in this world, what? You're going to have trouble. You can expect it. Don't don't look the other way. It's going to happen. But I have overcome the world, so take heart. And the very best way to overcome worry is to realize that while our Heavenly Father does not exempt us from trouble from outside, He will grant you and me the ability to cope with trials on the inside. The Bible says I can do all things. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And while the providence of God should not be taken for granted, no. We should always take comfort in the truth that what he says he will do. Listen to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Some of you are familiar with the name Cory Ten Boom. It's a strange name, but uh, she was a powerful Christian, just an amazing witness back in Nazi Germany a long time back. But she said that when she was a teenager, a friend of a family was arrested and imprisoned by the Germans and was actually being persecuted for being a Christian as well. And Corey said, I don't think I could do that. I think I would deny Jesus if that happened to me. But her father said to her, he said, "Cory, do you remember when we traveled by train to a certain destination? And, and she said, yes. He said, do you remember when I gave you your ticket? And she thought of it and said, yes, you gave me the ticket just before we got on the train. And he said, now, Corey, he said, I'm just your earthly father. But your heavenly father will also give you what you need at the exact moment that you need it. And he's right. Remember the fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm? Here it is. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, these are the things that Satan never wants you to think about. Satan never wants you to have a a, a little reminder session and go back through what the Bible says about God's love and care for us. Then step number three, we've got to keep our daily focus on the spiritual things. And we've got to keep it, by the way, it's daily. You can't just do it once a month, every now and then, leap year, whatever. Let's read the rest of Jesus' teaching beginning with verse 29. He goes on in Luke and says, Now do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. Do not worry about it. For the pagan runs after all these things, the pagan world, and your father knows that you need them, but you seek his kingdom, and then those things will be given to you as well. The reason we worry is that we have a focus on just what's around us. You know, if you're if you're discouraged and upset and, and you're just anxious about the stuff going on in the world, that's because your focus is on all the stuff going on in the world. I mean, you know what it is? How do you get away from it? It's all 24 hours a day. Tornadoes, countries being invaded, lives being lost. I mean, if that's our focus, then Satan accomplishes a great deal with all of this chaos. You know, he's taking your mind off of God. God's still on the throne and always will be. How we need to keep our focus. The reason we worry is that we focus on this world only. If, you all, if all you think about is financial security, doesn't matter how much stuff you got you're going to worry about your possessions because you you, you can never really totally protect them. If if your primary focus is on your health, it doesn't matter how much you exercise or eat right, you're still going to worry about your health. If your primary focus is on your children, I guarantee you, you'll worry about them all the time. But Jesus said, get your focus off this world and onto the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because verse 32 says... Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. And here's the punchline, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. As C.S. Lewis once said, you aim at heaven and you get the world thrown in. You aim at the world, then you get neither. You get neither. Now as we close, how can you sharpen this? How how can your spiritual focus be sharpened in this particular area? Number one, if you have not done so, then become a Christian. That's, That's kind of the beginning spot. Become a Christian. If your sins are not forgiven, you have no promise of eternal life, you got a lot to worry about. you got a lot of things on your mind. You need to take action. You need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and ask Him to cleanse you and of your sin and unrighteousness and to embrace Him as Lord of your life. The whole series we've been doing here for the last several weeks is built on that idea that Jesus, if He's the Lord of your life, we ain't got no problems. He's got it covered. That's number one, become a Christian. Number two, you commit to worship Him regularly. One of the reasons we come to church faithfully is to help keep our focus on those things that are above and not below. Number three, then you review God's promises. You record and revisit some of the Bible's most powerful promises. Let me give you just a few as I close. Psalm 3, 5 and 6 I lay down in sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Psalm 46, 1 and 3 through 3. God is our refuge and strength, ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea— Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Psalm 91:1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shelter of the all, in the shadow, I'm sure, of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And what you do is you write these verses down, like these. And there's there's dozens and dozens and dozens. The Bible's full of them, particularly the Psalms. And you then read them regularly. Remind yourself. And then, number five, number four, you learn to live one day at a time. Verse 24 says Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They've got no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? You know, somebody has said, Yesterday is already history. Tomorrow, still a mystery, but right now, today, is a gift from God. And every day, viewed that way, will help you by the Spirit of God to make Jesus Christ Lord of all your worries, all your anxieties. Now, don't you feel better? All you chronic warriors, I know you're out there. You know. I tell you what, this message needs to be preached more often than it is. And I preach it to myself. I grew up in a household where worrying was kind of a normal diet, you know. And so I just assumed that's what you did. And as I've gotten older, you know, I start looking around at the stuff in this world and the challenges that we're facing. And not even in the world, in our own community. What are our kids being taught in school? Crazy, crazy things right now. And you just want to just say, Lord, what's going on? And what he's going to say is this. This is the way of the world, but this world is not your home. We're just passing through. Amen? And our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue as the rest of it goes. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so much that you give us so, so many blessings. You know our needs before we speak them. You know what's coming down the pike, so you help us prepare, even though we don't understand all things. But Lord, I tell you, it's hard when we see sacred things dragged through the dirt. We see so much of the world's focus is on things that will never last, that will never be around. So Lord, help us to have a right perspective, especially just help us, Lord, make you Lord. We call you that, we talk about it, but help us make it real, make it practical, and make it everyday commitment that we trust you to manage the affairs of our lives. And we love you, Father. Thank you for being so good and gracious to us that while we were yet sinners, you sent Jesus to die on that cross for us, the perfect, pure, and holy for the imperfect, the impure, and the unholy. And Lord, we can't can't do anything but just fall on our knees and say thank you. And I pray as a congregation, they will do that. And if this worry issue is a problem, that we will go to Scripture. And from the owner's manual of our heart, Father, you will guide us, take our hand, guide us back to the place you want us to be. That's my prayer today. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.